Welcome to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, the podcast for all things dwarfy. Every couple weeks or so, your hosts gather to talk about our favorite game, Dwarf Fortress. So let's join your hosts, Roland. Oh, so you mean if you don't pay, you don't get your audio tracks? Tony. It's really disruptive. Yeah, I think we got to go back to real audio. And Jonathan. It's like if I drop a glass and have a break on the floor and I record it and use that. As they present insightful, irreverent, and often incorrect analysis. Joining the roundtable today from the Strange Mood podcast are Drew and Kristen. Well, you do a lot of Foley work. No, but yeah, I think that's what you mean. And always remember, losing is fun. Welcome to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, the podcast for all things dwarfy. We are welcoming into the podcast today, Kristen and Drew from the A Strange Mood, a Couples Dwarf Fortress podcast. Welcome to the roundtable, folks. Hello. (laughs) Should we tell them what happened? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we might as well. (laughs) So, (laughs) we actually recorded a full episode last week. And uh, technical difficulties happened. It was a great happened. one. Really, really good one. You really missed out. It <laughs> was. And you hear most of that. I, we usually don't talk about our, our, our Patreon thing uh, during the during the episode. But we did post the audio that we were able to recover <laughs> to the oh, Patreon gosh. channel. So if you really want it, you can, you can do that for as short a time as you want. But we are going to do our best. To recreate the excitement and joy that we had from our first meeting of Kristen and Drew. <laughs> Drew and Kristen, if you didn't already know this, run the A Strange Mood, A Couple's Dwarf Fortress podcast. So when you folks talk about it, do you use the entire title? We do not, no. No, we uh, stick with A Strange we, Mood. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was feeling kind of bad for you having to say that twice. It's kind of a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it, it's awkward to say, but when we were first kind of doing the uh, SEO of starting up the podcast and stuff, I was like, we kind of do need to get the actual Dwarf Fortress name in the podcast yeah. name somewhere. <laughs> I also like the fact that it is a couple's podcast. It's That's kind of neat. It is a, a different take on it than, than uh, most podcasts you have like that, so... Most gaming podcast. Yeah, I think we were channeling Sawbones a little bit. <laughs> Sawbones, do tell more. Oh, uh, it's a what is it? A marital tour of misguided medicine. You brought me here to do advertising for the McElroy family, right? <laughs> no, it's just a doctor and her husband who is a funny guy, and they talk about weird medical stuff. And we were like, well, I guess we can talk about Dwarf Fortress, and that's weird and funny. <laughs> so it's totally the same, right? Well, they do have uh, diagnosticians and uh, bone stitchers and things like that in Dwarf Fortress. It's true. So, there's there's medicine. Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> sort of. I'm not sure how good it is. No. A lot of injured, okay. lot of injured dwarves around. Yeah. Yeah. So let's start with you, Kristen. Can you tell us your Dwarf Fortress origin story? Yeah, I can. Or you um, can tell them together if you'd like. Well, I mean, it's kind of the same because Drew was playing Dwarf Fortress in like... 2017, 2016, somewhere in there. And he would tell me about it. And I would be really into these stories of these dwarves doing crazy things. And just the the story generation elements of it were really intriguing to me. I really wanted to play it. And then he <laughs> showed me the, the ASCII mode and I noped out immediately. Pretty hard. <laughs> yeah. <It's> pretty hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what you talking about, Drew? Exactly. And she um, then uh, said, you know, 
I think I'll be uh, happy enough if you just kind of tell me about the stories as they go right, on. Right, and I will play a much easier to use colony sim. <laughs> and this was even with the lazy noob pack and that sort of stuff, uh, showing her showing her that stuff. The the UI that you know the UI in the ASCII mode was just a little it is bit too unintelligible to me. So I uh, take it that you didn't care much, Drew, for the uh, for the graphics packs that they had, the tile sets. Well, the, uh, yeah, the graphics. I, I like them. I normally played them with those uh, graphic sets, but uh, um, apparently he didn't want me to start playing, so he gave me ASCII. Oh, mode. That's, that's tough stuff. He's trying I, to keep it all to himself. I suggested <laughs> it to you, but you were like, "No, I want to play my games without mods. I want to play it the way." No, it I don't think I don't think that's true. See, we're just going to be salty, everyone toward each other. So <laughs> it's the magic of a couple's podcast, everyone. <laughs> exactly. But to be fair, if you can play it in the ASCII mode, you can play it in any mode. There is that. It's true. Still doesn't apply to me. <laughs> One of these days, now that she's um, been playing it for many, many hours in yeah. the um, in V50, I'm going to make her uh, try to actually start a fort in ASCII mode. All right. But... As some of our listeners have been challenging me to do that. And I'm very excited, as you can tell. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's always been an interesting thing. It was the, the tile set versus ASCII and like what's purism and like what, I don't know, man. I just think it's a game and you play it however it works for you. That's always been my philosophy. It's like if you love looking at one-fourth as the symbol to represent roots, awesome. <laughs> and if you don't like that, you've got options. <laughs> Some people still do horse and buggies, but I prefer a... <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, there's some people still making tintype photos, you know, whatever. It's cool. It's your art. Uh, so before we um, came on the, the podcast here, um, I went back and actually listened to your guys' first episode, so Jonathan and Roland. Um, and uh, yeah, I just, I, I'd been, a, I had actually gone back and I had listened to that, you know, after I started with 30 and then got caught up to wherever you were at that point. I did go back and listen to the, you know, back catalog as well and all that, but I hadn't gone back and listened to that probably for two, two and a half years something like that. I'm trying to, trying to remember my timeline here, but uh, yeah, that was just, it was just really interesting to me. Like that you guys, that you guys didn't even know each other before you started this, that you just found each other on the Dwarf Fortress um, on the, on the Bay 12 forums. Yep. Yep, yep. Uh, or actually, uh, yeah, uh, or subreddit. It was Reddit. It was subreddit. subreddit. Yeah, the subreddit. My bad. Yeah. In any case, yeah, uh, I have trouble going back and listening to those. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. No, I, I know what you mean. I'm really scared of listening to that because I personally want to believe that my German accent was kind of faded out over the time, and I got better speaking, but. Uh, I don't think that's true. Um, my German's uh, always been really good, I think, hasn't it? <laughs> my German is really good, actually. But, um, my that's what I thought. I think you hard on yourself. It's excellent. Uh, excellent German. I don't think that it is any thicker, the the, the accent is any thicker then than it is now. So I, I, I think that I think you spoke more deliberately sure then. Yeah. But, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Do you think that your uh, that your English has improved since doing this podcast? Um, I have become more accustomed to just speaking what I want to say, uh, meaning that I also do a lot more mistakes, but I'm okay with doing more mistakes because back then I was mortified of doing mistakes to the point where I would sweat on the podcast Aww. because I was really oh, no. trying not to make mistakes. But... Uh, 
Dwarf Fortress is already such a niche game. So I believe that just making a Dwarf Fortress podcast, but then having it in the German language would be too much of a, a like a customer area or whatever. You know, it, customer too acquisition few people problem. would listen to both a podcast about Dwarf Fortress that is only in German. A niche of a niche. Yeah. yeah. We would... Jonathan and I would have felt really, really out of place in an old German <laughs> podcast on Dwarf Fortress. Like it would have been really... Uh, Every once in a while, I would interject and, and say, I recognize that word. <laughs> oh, yeah. Eichhörnchen. Mm, yeah. Oh, I know that one. Sorry, I kept talking over you there, but how would you, uh, how would you say Mega Beast? Uh, would you just say it in English or would you try to, uh, would you try to render it? I mean, we can say Mega. So there's mega. that... But beast may be monster, so mega yeah. monster. <laughs> that doesn't that sound sounds better, good. actually. I kind of like that. It sounds like Godzilla. Mega monster. Mega monster. Mega monster. Mega, mega monster. monster. <laughs> oh, we need t-shirts. <laughs> oh, I like <laughs> And I want it to be a were squirrel. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. As recounted by the esteemed minstrel potato bomb, Lo and Joy, the liaison had arrived at New Tower of Showing. But alas, it was not a mere messenger, but a terrible affliction in the form of a were-moose. And the full moon shone upon him. And the dwarfs of the outpost locked their doors and barred themselves inside. Alas, they were not able to save their precious yak-breeding pair, as the were-moose claimed them as his own. The residents of New Tower were spared, but the Wermoose tragically claimed the lives of his fellow dwarfs before his curse wore off with the failing moon. He then wandered off in a haze, leaving behind all of the valuable cargo that the merchants had been guarding. Elder Bim was left to ponder the fate of the abandoned goods. Were they now rightfully the property of New Tower? The other dwarfs seemed to think so, and swiftly collected the cargo as their own. So it has been sung by the barred potato bomb, whose tales will be told for generations to come. So, Drew, Kristen, before you two sit down to record an episode, do you get butterflies still? You've, you're, what, 11 episodes in? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and it, it we typically will sit up here and, like, start recording three times before it becomes an actual episode because I'll be like, hello and welcome. Wait, what are we doing? <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> so... <laughs> It, I mean, it's getting a little easier, but uh, we did weekly for a while, which um, was great for building up a back catalog, which I don't necessarily recommend because the sound quality was crap for some of it. But um, now that it's every other week, we have more to say, but it's also harder to get into the groove. Yeah, I think that's yeah. I think that's definitely the case. We also um, have started trying to do a little skit at the start oh of each God. one, <laughs> which are terrible, but they're really only there. Like, you think they're there to entertain the audience, but they're really there to just kind of get us through the yips. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have a, yep. a similar thing that happens here. We, I, I Actually, I don't know if it's a advantage or a disadvantage. We don't have the option, really, uh, since we're all remote, of... Uh, you know, stopping and starting completely over. Mm. So all that gets done in post for me. So yeah. Um, what do you what do you use for uh for your audio editing tools for your when you edit the podcast? I use Audacity. So do I. Yeah. Yeah. I some I've heard heard people complain about it. Um, it's fine. I'm, 
I think I use yeah. Audacity. Get what you pay for. Yeah, it's well yeah. worth the price. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Can't complain. It's maybe got a steep learning curve, but um, also I don't use like ninety five percent of the features in it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have a uh, I have That's a great. license for Reaper, which is a uh, uh, another. It's a it's an actual you know digital audio workstation. And I have used that to do a couple episodes and there are some things about it that are, that are good, but really it's way, way overkill for just doing four tracks of an audio podcast. And there are some features that are in audacity, like, uh, like the loudness normalization mm-hmm. that don't exist. At least I haven't found it in the same way on, um, on Reaper. Oh man. So how do you look so, yeah. at it? <laughs> yeah. So you use the loudness normalization as well? Yeah. I, we still struggle a little bit because we record on one mic and, um, we always joke that I have a tiny little mouse voice and Drew has this nice, like rich speaking voice. So I, we have to like set the microphone closer to me just because <laughs> I, I cannot seem to project enough to be heard. <laughs> We've got a little mark on the table here, like where we put our chairs and then where we put the mic. Yeah. <laughs> well, I recommend if if you're looking for one, I recommend the uh, Scarlet 2i2 for a podcast. It's got two mic inputs and it, it sounds pretty nice. It's what I'm using right now. I'm, I'm going to write that down so. right now. <laughs> Here's your Foley one. A, uh, a lot of the Zoom mics are stereo and have two separate you know, left and a right channel mic. Yeah, I've that heard that. Help. And um, mostly, like, just have not wanted to invest in another tool because I bought us quite a nice microphone um, that then is faulty, and I have yet to get a replacement from the company that made it. So, uh, you know. Yeah. How much um, background uh, noise removal do you use in Audacity? I use a... Th- the the noise gate i will do each track individually i'll find whatever background noise a particular track is is making uh so tony's will be different than roland's will be different than mine Mm -hmm. so i'll do them individually i'll find the general spot that i think is representative and i will run the noise gate on that and it will so it will cut out all the uh all the sound below that level i don't have to do the noise reduction very much because it's not really very much hiss in these recordings so so that's nice i make Kristen do all of the podcast editing yeah i do the podcast <laughs> editing and the social media <laughs> i mean it was kind of a project for me for my portfolio and then it turns out people actually wanted to listen so it, it worked out well <laughs> We bowed out of the social media thing pretty early on. We did have a Facebook page for the podcast that was attached to my account. And we uh, we we still have a – well, actually, it's my Twitter that the announcements go out to. But that's pretty much it. I don't know. Do you call YouTube social media? I don't – I guess, yeah, I should think about that in, in broader terms because, like, we, we have a Facebook page group i don't know i've already abandoned it (laughs) because i don't want to be on facebook i quit twitter a while ago but i make our twitch schedule and i put things on youtube yeah and then our discord all right and running our discord which is small so this episode is turning out to be very meta yeah Um, that's what i was gonna say welcome to our podcasting (laughs) podcast (laughs) should we talk about dwarf fortress but i actually i had something and again i don't want to step on your your toes jonathan if if you've got a oh step away i don't mind my toes are tough (laughs) so both of us you know both both of us you know on this on this podcast here um we both make a podcast for dwarf fortress that is audio 
and you know so much of the rest of the content is kind of video what what challenges do you think that like does that present slash how did you guys decide to, to do an audio instead of a, a video youtube podcast at the very start i just noted that there is a little bit of dwarf fortress content but there seems to be little to no podcasts there are quite a few that pop up here and there but they never seem to run long and the big podcast that everybody knows, Dwarf Fortress Talk, is already old at that point when we started. And I wanted something new, you know, I wanted new content. And I realized that if I want new content on the market, I kind of have to make it on myself. And that is why I ultimately asked on the subreddit and Jonathan reached out to me and then we just kind of started it, you know. And um, my feeling was I, I wasn't even sure where I wanted to go in the podcast direction. I just wanted to make something about Dwarf Fortress because I played it a lot. I felt fairly strongly about it. And I just had the feeling that something was missing. And we had already like YouTubers that were doing an amazing job. We have uh, streamers that are doing an amazing job. And I was like, you know, maybe I can do some kind of podcast. And uh, then I don't have to show my own face. So everybody wins. You know, I think there's, I think it's just different. Um, I think YouTube and the video things require maybe more time and attention or just maybe a different kind of attention. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think, you know, like the, for me personally, and, uh, you know, maybe I'm weird in this way, but I'm not much of a stream watcher because I don't know if I'm impatient or I just value editing i'm not sure I'm what it way. is but yeah like you know a, a three-hour stream i'm just not gonna i'm just not gonna do it if i'm gonna spend three hours i'm gonna play the game myself mm -hmm. um but I, I totally get that there's a market for it and that people love it that's awesome and there's great people doing it that meet that need i think for me i'm just usually doing other stuff or just inevitably have to not necessarily be in front of my computer and podcasts are great for that so i yeah. I feel like there's probably enough to talk about where, you know, you could have somebody I don't know, washing the car or doing the dishes or whatever people do when they listen to podcasts. Driving, I guess, is another thing people do. Yeah, I mean, like, um, I hope you guys don't take it as an insult, but I've listened to a lot of your episodes. <laughs> wow, this is going great, man. Oh, man. <laughs> Loving it. Loving like, it. Bring I'm it on. I'm distancing myself it's a little really bit. Nice. I'm, you know. I'm, I'm so curious about yeah, this. Is sure, going man. On. <laughs> let, me, let me get to the punchline. Okay. I've listened to a lot of your episodes while cleaning the bathrooms. <laughs> wow. That's great. Oh. So toilet humor. Right. Exactly. Oh, and you like made that process humor. Perfect. a lot more pleasant. So thank you. Well, we've talked about awesome. Roland's toilet before. <laughs> his uh, more his of a toilet. toilet. Uh, more of a toilet. Trademark. That's been a thing. So, Trademark. So I also want to chime in the, to, that, to that subject matter. Whenever you have a YouTube stream of a Dwarf Fortress subject matter, it is almost always playing the game, mm -hmm. not talking about the game. You're watching someone stream a fortress, and you know that's that's fine. But they're not actually doing analysis; they're doing, uh, you know, play by play. Yeah, really. Mm -hmm. So it's I think that's a where a podcast play game for in. me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, that's that's where it gets me. Is it feels like I mean, I can kind of see if somebody's playing, I don't know, Apex Legends or you know, Valorant or whatever. It like there's a lot of action and it moves really quickly. But Door Fortress, I mean. 
I love it. Don't get me wrong, but like watching somebody else play it to me is kind of like watching paint dry. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, but but I love what some of the really creative folks are doing. Like obviously, Krug Smash. We've oh yeah, a lot. yeah. But, but I said but it. Smash. But he spends a lot of time. You know, like he yeah. really. You know, he's really trying to do something different with it, which I think is pretty cool. And then, you know, some of the content, like the the tutorial guys, like um, well, Tekkit does an amazing job, and um, Dastastic, I think, is that how I say it? Yeah, also yeah, excellent. It yeah. it's just like really no nonsense. Like, oh, okay, so you want to build a well? Here's how you do it, and it's not a lot of the like, you know, where they go through and they're like, and the B option, the B option, you can build a bakery. You can build a house, you can build a tree, you can build a car, you can build, you know, it's like, they just, just don't tell me what every option does. Just tell me how to build a well, you know, and, and those guys are so good at that. Um, so I, you know, I think those are the other kinds of content that I really, that I really vibe on and and you can kind of do that in, in a podcast as well. The problem with tutorials, of course, then is that as you become more experienced with the game and sort of thing, you're like, yeah, no, I get what you're, I get what you're saying. And now I've got 15 more minutes of this video I picked out without. Right. That's why you need the shorts. We have, I mean, Dwarf Fortress, I think has creators who are really, really good about that, about like, here's a two and a half minute video about how to avoid an aquifer or whatever. And, um, it seems like a lot, a lot of the video niche is filled. Like we have some really fantastic storytellers out there. Uh, streaming it is rough. Like I have done quite a bit of Dwarf Fortress streaming at this stage and it, I will be privately horrified because I'm just like sitting there waiting for something to happen. And I'm like, so you are, you come here often? What are, what are you up to today? <laughs> yeah. So Roland, do you find that too while you're streaming? Sometimes. Yes. I hate to say it like this, but I, I do have ADHD and that might help. Because there's always something bouncing through my skull, like a Windows screensaver. And mm-hmm. I just talk about that. And then I hop from like area to area to area. And the last stream I did was the Bloodline stream. And in the middle, my game crashed. And ultimately, the, the entire stream is like six hours long. Oh, my God. Um, and you, you notice that I'm losing energy. But I would say that I managed to constantly talk for like almost the entire six hours. I know that finding a, like something to talk about is hard, but I just, I stop thinking in my head and just, I say what I think. And, uh, I say to Kristen, I, I, I say to Kristen that Dwarf Fortress is a little bit of either an ADHD simulator or an ADHD stimulator. Yeah. Because, Yeah, because there's always something going on and you sit down and you're like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to focus in on my mayor this time and I'm going to make him happy and build his stuff and all of that. And then two hours later, I'm like, what the hell was I doing again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, The game that I was calling out is um, Settlement Survival, which is a, um, a fun, also a colony sim. And I streamed that a couple of days ago and I was like <laughs> waiting around for stuff to get built or anything to happen. And I was like, I'm this door fortress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I find myself impatient even when I'm playing solo or I'll use the DF hack fast door for whatever. Like I don't have time to watch and build the bedrooms again. Build lots of bedrooms. Just build them. Be done with it, please. I can, I can break the realism. As recounted by the illustrious bard David Eltsroth, 
The lifeless bodies of the unfortunate merchants began to emit a foul odor, prompting the elders to take action. Though the task was unpleasant, the dwarfs worked tirelessly, carving out a magnificent resting place in the depths of the outpost. It struck them as curious that their first three losses were not among the fortress's own residents, and that the deaths were not caused by the fortress itself. Nevertheless, the dwarfs continued with their solemn work, adorning the burial area with intricate carvings and statues. Each fallen soul was laid to rest with utmost reverence, their names etched in stone and their deeds remembered in song. The dwarfs knew that these departed merchants would forever be a part of their history, a reminder of the dangers that lurked beyond the safety of their fortress walls. And so, the burial area of New Tower became a place of both mourning and remembrance, a testament to the resilience and honor of the dwarven people. So Sayeth David Eltsroth, Bard of New Tower. Do you folks think that the community is large enough for regional in-person meetups? Some, um, to some degree, yes. Um, we have some listeners who are really, really engaged with us, and they like. It seems like they're really hungry for people to talk to and hang out with and just share this hobby. But it's so it's such a small community at the same time yeah. that um, it seems harder to justify. I bet like places like GDC or PAX. Mm-hmm. I could I could see there being meetups in those kind of places, um, yeah. but those are in cities usually. In before COVID mm-hmm. times, we had a a programming meetup here locally that happened. I think it was every other week, maybe it was once a month that it happened. And I was very disappointed with the turnout. Uh, that it was, you know, sometimes there would be the host and one other person. I know that there were some times where nobody but the host showed up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so oh, I, the, with the, you know, the internet is such a wonderful thing that it will, will, it will concentrate. Well, this is double-edged sword, of course, but it will concentrate people of, of like ideas and like minds. And you will have a community that may seem larger to the people who are in it than it might actually be. Right. And I wonder if, I Steam, if you went to, New York or San Francisco or LA or Tokyo or one of those places, like you're going to find a lot of people that probably play the game. And I bet you could do yeah. some kind of a, uh, an in-person meetup there. You might be surprised because um, we lived in, we lived in um, Hayward outside of San Francisco for a while. And, you know, they had, they had AI meetups in San Francisco and I went to a couple of them and the same thing sort of happened where you usually had kind of the same crew of three people out of something you think would have a large group. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes it was, um, well, you know, sometimes I didn't go, so I don't know if the guy was just sitting there on his own. And sometimes the uh, guy was, uh, sometimes the organizer was the only one there besides me. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're in a big city, there's going to be a load of different types of meetups. And, you know, I think it's like anything, like an AI meetup or whatever, like that's going to, you know, there's going to be cool kids AI meetups and not cool kids AI meetups. And some of them are probably going to be better attended because you've got, you know, Tim Gibru or somebody speaking and that's going to draw a lot of people. I, you know, I think it just, it depends. I just think Dwarf Fortress is so small. Like if word got out, yeah. everyone who played it that felt like doing something social would probably be, you know, would probably be into it. I mean, yeah. I don't know if you guys ever watch a, an HBO show, um, but there's, there's one, in, it's how to with John Wilson. It doesn't really matter, but he is in New York city and happens into a meetup for people who like the first avatar film. And I'm not talking the airbender one. I'm oh, talking right. the blue people one. And yeah. this is pre, this is pre the sequels. 
So, you know, there, I think there's a little bit of everybody. If you go to the cities, it's just getting them, how do you, how do you wrangle them and get the word out? I think is, is a problem. Roland, do you ever, have you ever attended any kind of tech or, or interest meetups in Berlin? Well, tech and interest meetups, that is a broad word. Yes. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Uh, yes. Super we, broad, we huh? do have um, like a technology mess, but that is so broad. You see uh, everything ranging from screens to microwaves to smart fridges. They follow you around. Uh, really creepy. Oh, God, a fridge that follows you around? Horrifying. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a small fridge on wheels and you have a like a tracker and the fridge just follows you around if you press on the tracker and it's like a small fridge and it beeps at you it just follows you around it's super weird who's who's the market who's the market for that who who's who's in the appliance shop saying you know i love this fridge but it just doesn't follow me around the house <laughs> I, football and, fans man football you know, fans the fridge this just feels like Somebody was high on the toilet and came up with that idea. That's yeah, but, but if the fridge were like self-refilling, you know, it had arms and it would pack itself with beer and oh Coca-Cola. Oh, God, this just gets worse and worse. <laughs> well, we could talk about it, right? But I have to fill the fridge. What if it was like that movie Her and I could develop an attachment with it and, and it became my soulmate and oh, it gave no. me Coke? If my I fridge mean, looks like Scarlett Johansson, I want one. <laughs> I mean, well, it could, you know. <laughs> this is not a couple's podcast. <laughs> but, um, for example, I talk to people about Dwarf Fortress because I play it all the time, and all my friends know that I do, but they don't really get it. And I have yet to meet anybody in real life that actually knows what Dwarf Fortress is. I was going to ask, do you tie them to a chair to talk to them about it? <laughs> I have never had someone who recognized my Dwarf Fortress t-shirt. I have never talked to anyone who I wasn't already part of the Dwarf Fortress community who really even knew of the game besides that they heard that it was this impossibly hard game to learn. Drew, Kristen, have you found anybody outside of the community that you have... Uh, knows about Dwarf Fortress outside of your Dwarf Fortress hobbies? No, but I've converted sense? some people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to. Um, yeah. I actually, uh, because I, I, I work in a, in a tech company, as I'm not sure all of, all, all of us do, or... Yeah, so I work, I, I work in the tech industry. I think all of us are, are tech or tech-adjacent type stuff. Um, and um, out of my company of 100 people, because they're... they're very friendly people and they they have you know like uh gaming slack and that sort of thing two people when i posted about dwarf fortress one time um because the because the b50 dropped um two people there actually had had been playing the ascii version and also were excited about b50 and i never really thought to mention it before so i so i got two but that was two out of like 120 very technical people so <laughs> it's a pretty um, good hit rate yeah, it's not, it's not terrible. I go skating uh, in a nearby small city. And uh, anytime that I go ice skating, I will wear my Dwarf Fortress t-shirt. And no, I'm always looking for someone to come up to me and say, hey, look at that. That's, that's pretty awesome. You play Dwarf Fortress, but it still hasn't happened. I did have it happen for me once. With uh, I wore a Tux the Penguin t-shirt one time, and I was at a gas station, and someone asked me, uh, 
if I ran Arch. <laughs> so. uh, actually, this week, this week I um I had to get a blood draw for before the before the travel and all that, and the phlebotomist actually recognized my shirt that was a Warhammer 40k T-shirt. Like it didn't say Warhammer 40k on it or anything. It was just it was just the the Eldar the Space Elves group, and um, she recognized that and was like, "Oh, do you play Warhammer?" And I'm like, "Yes, actually, I do." <laughs> oh yeah. Um... I have a funny story about that, too, because uh, my tattoo artist um, collected orcs. And um, I annoyed the whole room and everybody in it by talking to her about orcs and collecting orcs and uh, Warhammer in general. There's a, that's a nice community, actually. I think that, that community, I think, is really cool. I am... Um... I, I when I was when I was in Stockholm once, um, I went to the game the games workshop one in the central business district area of Stockholm, and if for some reason it was open at like eight in the morning, and, and we were out, and they were super friendly and nice, and chatted and explained how it all worked and showed us the miniatures, and I mean they were just they just seemed like really nice people. Had good experiences with Warcraft or with um, Warhammer people. Yeah, whenever I meet them in real life, it is it is great. The community online can be a little bit iffy at times, but I don't yeah, know. It's, it's online, isn't it? Yeah, I, I feel like that. It's oh, man, we are so so far from Dwarf Fortress, but yeah. <laughs> well, we haven't talked about NFTs yet this time. So. <laughs> there oh. that. Yeah, you, you guys have to. Yeah, you, so you guys are launching a, an NFT campaign for your podcast. True. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. And it's so, like you get two NFTs per. Thing since you're a couples podcast, <laughs> wrangling it this back is really, in. Really nice of you. Yeah, <laughs> I have, I have found the Dwarf Fortress community, and I've, I've said this before, but I found the Dwarf Fortress community to be incredibly friendly, silly friendly. We have done. We're recording episode eighty six right now, and I don't think that there has been a single instance of people telling us that they disapproved of something that we did. We have only had a couple of them say that the audio quality was was poor, and early on, our audio quality was really bad. I mean, it was a friend so. that told me that our, <laughs> that our audio quality was bad. So, yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, that's something that's fixable. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The online community for Dwarf Fortress is so great. I think the online community is is so great because I think that um, everyone realizes in Dwarf Fortress, by and large. There, there aren't really experts. Like even, you know, Zach and Tarn would probably say that they're not experts at it, <laughs> right? Like it's, it's, it's not that sort of game in quotes. And so no one can really do the thing. You can't gatekeep something when you know you're kind of bad at it. <laughs> yeah. Um, looking at other games, uh, for example, I mean, Elden Ring. Let's take Elden Ring for as an example, even though I don't believe the community is too toxic in there as well. But you can you can be good at Elden Ring, like objectively just good. You hit the boss, you don't get hit. You build your character, you level up, blah, blah, blah. And if you are bad at the game, you get hit all the time, you die all the time, or you skill your character weird, then you get comments about, like, why is your character skilled weird? But there is no failure scenario in Dwarf Fortress other than what happens to everybody. And we don't have um, much influence about that. Sometimes your 
attack, the goblin attack, just succeeds. Sometimes you forgot about a hole in the ceiling, and now you have uh, some kind of uh, forgotten beast in there or whatever. And Hmm. living with that, knowing that you have little to no influence about what is going to happen in the next few days in your game, you come to realize that, you know, this person has problems with goblins, but I don't have to be mean to them. They already have enough on their plate. (laughs) (laughs) Like they're already trying to play this game. So we just have to give them a break. Yeah, exactly. That's fair. Yeah, the- I think it's not competitive also, which I think helps. Yeah. I think the mm-hmm. games where there's a competitive element and there's exactly. rankings and there's, you know, there's like brackets and tournaments and stuff. I think that, I don't know, I'm not very competitive. There is no player person, versus player I, Dwarf Fortress. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think the multiplayer yeah. aspect of it would be kind of a downer. I think the fact that everyone gets so, uh, you know, your, your fort does always eventually fall apart. Uh, that really just forces everyone to accept some humility. And also <laughs> if you're the type of person who can't accept that humility, you bounce off the game. Yeah, true. Welcome to psychology today. Today we're talking about how Dwarf Fortress imitates real life. It is a ephemeral uh, experience and it will end. It'll, it'll, it'll ego check you the game. Cause I remember when we first started doing the podcast and I would play a lot of things and I'd be like, you know what? I can survive on an art and I, I sheet, I can survive anything. And I made it like, you know, a year. <laughs> I was like, right, okay. Yeah. Oh, oh that's the hubris for it. <laughs> okay. So go ahead and tell the, go ahead and go into a little more detail about that. That, that, that's a great story and it hasn't been told in quite some time in our, uh, in our podcast. But, <laughs> so let me, let me start it out here. <laughs> let me, let me set it up. So, so Tony was playing this fortress that every time uh, any amount of time went by, he would suddenly have, uh, uh, was it zombies? Necromat? Yeah, it was, what was it'd it be an up? undead invasion, like within the first year, like before you could even get the walls up. And <laughs> it'd be like a hundred undead. It wouldn't be like oh, no. the little exploratory committee of like, you know, Devlin's hand and, you know, Roger's uncle or whatever that they come in and then they leave. It was, you know, it'd be like a hundred full of animals and like ghost elephants. And it was just like, what in the hell is going on here? Yeah, I don't remember whether this was forty four twelve or forty seven oh four. Um, uh, I don't know if it's uh, version forty four or forty or four forty seven. I think this was still forty four. Yeah, it was. It was. Wasn't the? It was. The, I think the second to last of the old school yeah. releases. And it was some world that had. And I don't even think it was that old. Was it like five hundred years or something? Maybe it was older. Maybe it was like a thousand years. And it, for some reason, every the whole thing was just all towers. And so, like, it was so densely packed by <laughs> that, you know, used zombie. Happen, that used to happen in, in that version, right? Like, uh, um, there, well, I forget well, what it definitely happened in that one. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Like they just had they just had the uh, the slider bar for uh, the you know undead a little too strong, and over time it would just all tend towards that. A little, yeah. It was it was brutal. Yeah, I think every world that ran long enough would eventually succumb to the undead. Was uh, pretty much the way it worked. Yeah, it was. It was pretty rough. It was like my current world. I think the best thing that I was able to do was just like survive. If I went off to the tiniest corner in the edge of a map and immediately just built a wall around the wagon, then <laughs> maybe I could survive. But it was ridiculous. But it was an underground only for it. Like you couldn't have any 
no trade caravans, no migrants, nothing. It was, it was a little uh, broken. So I may have this wrong. You have to correct me if I do, Tony. But so, so Tony got, got proficient with this world and decided that, that he was going to build a fortress. What was it in a, uh, Arctic it was region? An ice sheet. Yeah, yeah, it was ice sheet and an evil biome. And I was like, oh, because you, 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 know, you do, you, you know, it was like, I, I figured out a way, like you could build the wall and then, you know, there are like ways you could channel them in and build little traps to kill the zombies or at least keep them running in circles for long enough to let your migrants in or whatever. And yeah, so I thought, oh, I, I know what I'm doing. I'm so good at this game. I'm going to start on the ice sheet. Nothing can stop me. Yeah, that was humbling. Don't mess with the ice sheets. That's, <laughs> that's my theory. And what killed your last dwarf on the ice sheet? I think uh, Alt F4. <laughs> <laughs> This is one of the most vicious deaths in the delete key. Oh. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> no, I've still got that port if anyone wants it. I think I've got it saved on my on my NAS or something. Oh, did we want to talk about the um talk about the imager uh, apocalypse happening? Oh again, right, we did or? talk about that last time. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Imagers decided to tank themselves by getting rid of all of the content that people use it for. Isn't that basically <laughs> what the gist is. Yeah. What happened to Microsoft Biome? We hate this business. We're going to tank it by getting rid of all of our customers. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds uh, Worked out for Tumblr. <laughs> it's like the faulty towers the way of doing this. This, this hotel would be so much better if it wasn't for all the people staying here. So uh, let's give a little gets... background if, if people don't know what's going on with that. So Imager has decided to uh, delete all content for uh, for images that do not have an associated account. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Including past uh, uploads. So, and apparently that is the go-to for, for Reddit, right? Or has been? Mm. It was their Reddit's alternative to the, uh, to whatever photo bucket and all the other ones before that have run this exact same trajectory. Done. Turns out letting yeah. people upload pseudonymous content to your image network is not a good idea. Uh, get in trouble with um, Mr. Policeman, apparently. So, Was it a, was it a legal thing? Is that what drove it? Mm, I don't know. Yeah, you never know what's going on behind the scenes, but usually if you're trying to build in some sort of KYC into your business, it's because you don't want anonymous people doing things because they're doing bad things. But in this case, it could just also be a way to try to monetize it. If you can create accounts, then you can start figuring out how to serve ads better to people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So who knows? Who knows? Por que no los dos, though? <laughs> Christian Drew, did you guys ever use it? Not super much, but I am um, in the Dwarf Fortress subreddit and in Bay 12 games, like um, I know a lot of the, the content there that I consumed back when I was first starting playing Dwarf Fortress and kind of the, the stuff that got me over the hump of the, this is actually a fun game. If you, if you spend the time and learn what the hell's going on. Um, I think a lot of that was imager is, is hosted on imager. And so it would be really sad to see so much of that go away. Yeah. We'll have to talk to, yeah. We'll have to talk to Twisted Logic Gaming about that because he it was Twisted Logic Gaming that that ran the uh, the Dwarf Fortress memes or at least was a moderator on the Dwarf Fortress memes channel, right? And, yep. Okay, yeah. So I, I suspect that this is impacting him uh, probably quite a bit. 
Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I think there's a couple problems with it because first you've got the links to the content um, that are embedded everywhere, like in all of those historical Reddit posts. And I think most people find Reddit really useful in the fact of I've searched for something and a thread from seven years came up and it turns out to solve exactly what I needed. And it's great. Like, I think Reddit's just been amazing for that. Mm -hmm. And I think that breaks with this because so much of that old content had imager baked into it. And then, um, and then, and then I think just because of the way it was linked, it, it kind of negates any impact like Jason Scott's textfiles.com could do to try to back it up because you would basically just be backing up volumes of content, but then it would all be completely unstructured data. And how do you then, like, how would you, how do you true it up? You can't, I don't think. So I, I feel like it's going to be a huge hit um, that is going to be a bit of a bummer. So, well, we back up that, that uh, unstructured image data to, GPT, uh, back it up and then feed it into GPT-4, and GPT-4 can then answer your Dwarf Fortress meme questions, at which point... That it can't because, because it doesn't actually know what it's saying, you know, like, it's just spouting nonsense. So, right. so you're saying that soon my fridge will be able to follow me around and stock itself and teach me about Dwarf Fortress? That's correct. Yes. Okay. Isn't that amazing? And, and push you into a magma pit. There you go. <laughs> it's magic. Yeah, it's just magic. I still don't think that we have figured out what to do with the, uh, with the internet in, in situations like that. If you look back yeah. in the 1930s, 1940s, you can still see, although they're deteriorating, you can still see newspapers, magazines, printed stuff of mundane uh, information that is very interesting to read a hundred years later. But when, yeah. Now that we're putting all of our, our text and data on the internet, that is not a permanent medium unless we do something to make it a permanent medium because it leaves when the person paying for that hosted website leaves. Yeah. So, and that's text files. Like that's what Jason Scott's trying to do with the internet archive is just trying to back up all the stuff because you know, the point of like they did GeoCities and worked with a few other people to try to back that up. And I mean, you could argue GeoCities was crap, but there's interesting stuff there. Like there's still stuff that I think it was a slice. Yeah. It's a slice of life. And, and I think with things like imagery going dark and, and I think when Flickr did its monetary conversion, you know, like that, that breaks stuff too. And I get that businesses have to make money. Like if those people working at imagery aren't working for free. So I totally appreciate the problem that they have. And I also see the problem that it creates when they have to take these bold moves or these drastic moves to try to monetize which well, is what I'm assuming it's all about. Yeah, I mean, from, a, from a business point of view, like, or not from a business point of view, but from a governmental capitalism point of view, you know, we've, we've really kind of taught people that the, the, way to, the way to make money for your company is to make something indispensable for free and then flip a switch and start charging money for it. And that, um, that just keeps running into the same issue. And like, if, you, if you've used the fact that your stuff is free... Oh, Hello? Uh, we can hear you. Yeah, we can. Shall we stop and hear you? Yeah, we can stop and uh, restart. And get okay. There. We're sorry. We seem to have experienced another interruption in our communication systems. A team of dwarfs are working on addressing the issue. And now, this important message. 
In the Annals of New Tower of Showing, it is recorded that a migration of seven dwarfs arrived on the 6th of Timber in the year 106, as chronicled by scribe Justin Lothamer. Elder Bim, beholding the unfamiliar faces among the new arrivals, mused upon the implications for the future of the settlement. With the influx of these new settlers, the population of the hamlet grew to 21, yet the spirits of the dwarfs remained high. However, with the possibility of conflict looming, the need for a defensive squad became apparent. And so, Elder Bim realized that a hospital must be constructed to heal the wounded that such battles could bring. The dwarfs toiled mightily, their hammers ringing through the depths of the earth. Soon enough, the House of Healing was completed, a sanctuary for those who suffered injuries in battle. The elders were pleased. The ancient scribe Justin Lothamer did record this tale for posterity. Okay, we are back, and uh, apologize for the uh, abrupt cutoff that happened there, but we had a, another bit of a technical failure that we are going to have to address before we try to record another episode. But, oh, whoopsie. <laughs> so, Kristen, Drew, how do people access your podcast? You can find us on pretty much everywhere. So that's Spotify, uh, iTunes, I don't know, wherever people listen to podcasts. <laughs> and it's at A Strange Mood. We are on YouTube at A Strange Mood. Um, we have separate Twitch channels that um, everything from those goes to YouTube. So that's probably where to find us. All right. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in and listening. And we look forward to having you two on again to talk about Dwarf Fortress and podcasting. And next time we'll try to actually stick to the uh, stick to Dwarf Fortress instead of meta podcasting. But <laughs> it's just been so it's... great to talk to people who are who are kind of try, you know doing the same thing that we're we're trying to do as well. I mean, talk about niche. Yeah. Dwarf Fortress yeah. podcasters. <laughs> exactly. And now there's a lawnmower right outside my window. <laughs> there you go. There you go. It's the sign from the universe. I know, right? Yeah. All right, everybody. Before the before the program stops working again, we're going to wrap this one up and tell everyone that we hope you have a wonderful week and get out there, play Dwarf Fortress. Good luck. Dig deep. Yeah. yeah. Thanks again for inviting yeah, us on. Thanks for having us. We guys, you guys make a great product. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah. See you next time. this has been the dwarf fortress roundtable podcast you can find all our past episodes at dfroundtable.com stop by and leave a message or suggestion in the comments section for this episode while you're there you can subscribe to dwarf fortress roundtable or find us in the podcast service of your choice you can find video content on our youtube channel and you can send us an email at urist at dfroundtable.com that's U-R-I-S-T at dfroundtable.com. Please consider donating to the creators of Dwarf Fortress at bay12games.com. If you'd like to help support this podcast, you can find us at patreon.com slash dfroundtable. This is a conversational podcast. All craft swordship is of the highest quality. Thanks, Alfonso.